1: Thank you for tuning in to this Beer Guys Radio Extra. We're live at Roswell Beer Festival talking with Ron Smith and Mary O'Boyle, authors of Atlanta Beer, A Heady History of Brewing in the Hub of the South, and Prohibition in Atlanta, Temperance, Tiger Kings, and White Lightning. Ron and Mary will share info on the history of beer and brewing in Georgia, from the first brewery opened in 1738 through to the modern craft beer boom. Both of their books are available on Amazon or directly from their website at atlantabeerbook.com. All proceeds from Roswell Beer Festival go to benefit Starhouse Foundation, providing after-school tutoring and mentoring to at-risk youth. For more information, visit roswellbeerfestival.com or starhousefoundation.org. Atlanta and Georgia Beer History. Ron and Mary, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for being here. Absolutely. So we're going to go through... Uh, kind of uh, chronological here, and I'm going to start off, Ron, uh, just telling about the the first brewery in Georgia. I don't think a lot of people know this story, but Georgia was originally intended to be a colony for debtors, and it was going to be a place where people could come and work off their debt. So, you know, debtors' prisons were a thing. If you were broke, you went to jail. So uh, Georgia was going to be a uh, debtors' colony. So under James Oglethorpe, a military colony was established in Georgia with a very strict set of rules, one of those rules being absolutely no alcohol. Now the big problem with this is that if there was no alcohol, that left the only beverage is water, and uh, as a lot of us know, one of the reasons beer and other fermented beverages were popular is because uh, water at the time had a lot of bacteria in it, and people in the colony were dying of dysentery uh, because they didn't have any uh, alcohol. So, uh, Oglethorpe took a trip to England, and he left command of Georgia to Major William Horton. Now, uh, during the trip, the colonists of Georgia found out that they were the only ones living under such a strict set of rules, and this started a bloodless revolution. Oh, and, uh, preferable. Yes, right. <laughs> that's the preferred way to have a revolution. So, And the result of this was, uh, one of the results was they got their alcohol. They, they got alcohol there. So, uh, when Oglethorpe re- returned from England, he was furious with Major Horton that he broke the rules, and he, he'd done that. So, But Horton got him calmed down and told him, wait a minute, you're upset, but no one's dying. People aren't dying of dysentery. Like on the old Oregon Trail game, they are not dying of dysentery. <laughs> so uh, that's Oglethorpe realized he was correct, and actually it, it ended up uh, Georgia ended up thriving after that. So as part of that... Uh, Oglethorpe gave uh, control to uh, what would become Jekyll Island to Major Horton. So, And when, when Horton originally took control and went to Jekyll Island, he realized it would be a great place for a brewery. So that is where Georgia's first brewery started. In 1738, Major Horton built a brewery on Jekyll Island in Georgia, and that is, as far as we know, Georgia's first official brewery. So, uh, the issues with sickness due to drinking the tainted water all but vanished, thanks to the healing power of beer. So, yeah. that's, that's, it's awesome. a beautiful story, a isn't beautiful, it? Yeah. So that's the that's yeah. the first uh, the Georgia's first brewery. And uh, Ron, ha, Aaron, have you visited? I haven't visited. Yeah. I want to yeah. get I want to get out there because no. it sounds very interesting. Yeah.
2: Not much left of the, of the foundations of that. Building. That's what I figured. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So just the stories, the legend, yeah. right? Yeah. So. Now, Ron, this is where your expertise comes in. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about uh, pre-prohibition brewing in Georgia. And uh, I'll just kind of let you go. Most of the cities in Georgia, pre-prohibition, there were breweries, correct?
2: Yeah, there were breweries. Most of uh, Georgia's major cities, um, you know, Augusta, Atlanta, Brunswick, Columbia, uh, Macon, Savannah, all these uh, cities had breweries, Uh, and in in the case of... uh, Atlanta, Savannah, and Macon—they had uh, multiple breweries pre-prohibition. Uh, you know, maybe not at the same exact time. In some cases, Atlanta did. Atlanta had—I um, believe if, I, if my memory serves me correctly—it's been a while since I've done some of the research, but I believe there's five operating at one time in the Atlanta area. Um, so, but most of the major cities uh, in Atlanta had had. At breweries pre-prohibition. They were considered, you know, before the temperance movement started, uh, the breweries were considered a huge asset for the city. You know, they were a a business. And that's the way they look at it. It's, you know, oh, hey, we have this factory. People have jobs. We have beer. Um, You know, what could go wrong?
1: Um, And then... um, So we've just recently surpassed pre-prohibition numbers in Georgia as far as breweries go, correct?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, uh, trying to think about what point that we had twenty breweries going on in the state of Georgia. Um, pretty early on, I guess, in the, right. in the craft beer revolution, explosion, whatever sure. you call it. Yeah, yeah. And then it took
3: a long time to get there. That's oh, one yeah. of the things we were talking about on the way over. Is just how long it took to come back. Right. So, uh, and absolutely. we're talking about the factors that made it so hard for breweries to get their equipment compete with the macro breweries. It took a long time.
1: Yeah, because that was something the macro breweries uh, they, they had a lot more power. Basically, you know, oh, yeah. it, was, it was pretty difficult for a small brewery to to go anywhere. Correct?
2: Sure. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, as as Mary mentioned, uh, equipment. I mean, now you think about oh well, I'll just go to you know so and so corporation and get my tanks and everything else. Uh, like when you know Martha's is starting off when. Blindale uh, over next to Athens is starting off, There's, you just don't go, hey, if you do find a company that makes uh, your equipment, it's outrageously expensive, uh, so you have to repurpose equipment. So that's what a lot of early um, craft breweries did, is, you know, you may have Pepco-Bismol tanks, you may have dairy tanks, right? Yeah. Uh, old Pepsi bottling line, things like that, you know, and you put all this stuff together in a Frankensteinian
1: manner, and Start brewing beer. Absolutely. Yeah. So now, uh, early post-prohibition, there were there were some breweries during prohibition. Both in, uh, you actually told me this that people need to realize there was state and national prohibition, correct. Yeah. and not every state and national the times were were the same. Correct. Right. And, yeah. and Georgia's state prohibition was actually prior to national prohibition. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, by quite a quite a long time. You're talking early. 1900s
2: with state prohibition. There's like two rounds of state prohibition that that comes around even before national prohibition even happens.
3: And we're already more restrictive by the time national prohibition came around.
1: Right, right. So, But there were some breweries that found creative ways to survive prohibition and actually one of the largest early post-prohibition breweries in Georgia was one that had been operational uh, for a long time prior to that, correct? Right, yeah, the one that ultimately became the Atlantic Brewery. Um, basically, during Prohibition,
2: they were, uh, they were making near beer. Um, they, they basically, you know, canned water. They, they bottled Coca-Cola during some portions. They, um, they also uh, sold coal because, I mean, if you think about it, you know, it's a coal-driven operation anyway, steaming coal, so they sold part of their coal in excess uh, to people and um, you know, found uh, my memory serves me correct. The Acme Brewing Company in Macon uh, operated uh, since they had a lot of ice on hand. They basically operated as a, as a uh, butcher shop okay. for a while. So you know, you did what you did. To, oh, ice cream! Some some places
1: did ice cream as well. So.
3: And even change their names to work the word beer because you wouldn't want to. Right. Yourself a, well, that's
1: to I know bread. with Atlantic Brewing they went through. Five or six names over yeah. the course, kind of depending on what they had to focus on at the time, correct? Yeah, yeah like the Atlanta Ice and Cold Company, right? You know, a different,
2: you know, whatever way you, you may or may not be selling beer occasionally, you know, mm-hmm. off the record, but you were
1: you know, medicinal, medicinal, right? Right, yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: But, uh, you, you had to be creative in all forms or functions. Are you drop off near beer? Um, or a malt beverage, and drop it off with a couple of buckets and some tubing, and um, you know, packs of yeast, and say
1: whatever you do, don't put all this together. Um, sure, absolutely. <laughs> uh, didn't they actually put warnings on there? It's like warning: if you put this, this, and this together, is going to make alcohol, yep, and that's, yeah. and you shouldn't do that. You Shouldn't do cause that. You, yes. fermentation. Yeah. You, you got to have bad. the warnings there. It's good that they yeah. give you a heads yeah. up on don't that. Absolutely. These now, as uh, National Prohibition ended, there were some breweries that, that applied for a brewing license to get started up, but just because of delays within the state of Georgia passing laws and that, some just never came to fruition because of the headaches with the laws, correct? Yeah, yeah
2: it's, uh, in, in Atlanta, uh, for example, there's, there was uh, Southern States Brewing um, Limited, I think it was, and then the Atlantic, uh, Liberty I mean, Brewing, um, and they, they applied for uh, permits, but once they realized that state prohibition was going to hang around for several more years, um, possibly indefinitely, you know, they, they didn't know at the time, they just basically just abandoned the whole concept. So the only, in Atlanta, the only brewery that came all the way through prohibition and survived was um, what became known as the Atlantic Brewery, and it stayed in
1: operation until 1955. So that was nearly hundred years, I believe, for them, yeah. correct? The 1890s. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, nearly 100 yeah, years. It's, it's wild to
2: think about the fact that they're still one of the longest operating companies in um, Atlanta, even though they've been closed since 1955. Right. You know? Absolutely. Because they had almost 100 years there. They're still.
1: They know, got in after Sherman's burn, so they yeah. they not get burnt <laughs> to the ground there. So that's a good thing. So. Now, that's kind of the next phase of that is, Ron, kind of what I'm calling early craft. Yeah. Because there was, I wouldn't say a boom necessarily, but I think it was 78 when Carter uh, approved homebrewing, when homebrewing became legal uh, nationwide. And with that, a few breweries started popping up, and uh, we had a few that kind of went uh, went through Georgia. but only major, the, what we call the macro brewers, were in Georgia, even until the 1990s. Uh, is that yeah. correct? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you had uh,
2: Hap's uh, Brewery down in South Georgia. You had
3: um, talked about Carling. Carling,
2: yeah, the Carling, which unfortunately they, they, they demoed the Carling building not long ago. Yeah, 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 it's on the uh, south side of town off of um, I think it's, I don't believe it's Connector I think it's 75 or, yeah, at that point.
1: And I think the remnants, well, I Correct me here, but I think it's the Atlanta Hilton's parking garage. Correct is the is where the Atlantic Brewing Company's cellars used to be. Is that, that correct? That's correct. Yeah, the 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 part of the
2: brewery building itself set about where the Hilton is now, and then you know where you would go down into their cellars. Um, that's, that's where the parking garage Very cool. And they Brilliant. had their water source there. Yeah, so, yeah okay. That's the other part. All right, yeah. 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 yeah, natural water source. They
1: would pump the heck out of it. Yeah, it's apparently... Very cool. Awesome. So, we just mentioned, you know, it was the 90s before Craft Brewery came here. And when you think the grand scheme of things, that's young. You know, we're talking less than 30 years when you have some uh, European, you know, German and, and Belgian brewers that we're talking hundreds of years. So... Craft beer in America in general, but Georgia is a young industry. So some of those first ones that kind of came and went. What were some of the breweries that we saw as part of our kind of early first push, first wave craft?
2: Well, you have uh, in Atlanta. You had um, well, you had Helenbach up up in um, in around Helen. Uh, that's you know very early on in like um, 1990. Um, and actually, Wyatt, while I'm thinking of it, John Roberts, did you go over and... and the taste? Hellenbach?
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It tastes very similar to what I remember. That was did he brew that again this year? I, I'm hoping okay. he did. Okay. Because that's in... Uh, that what DR? it is, is Hellenbach <laughs> beer was one of the first beers brewed by Friends Brewing. Yep. The Hellenbach brewery in, uh, uh, up in Helen. Yeah. And last year, John Roberts at Max Logger's revived that recipe. They had the, the Hellenbach race series. And uh, the gentleman organizing the Helenbach race actually hunted down the original Helen Bach brewery owners, and they collaborated with John Roberts at Max Loggers to to rebrew that beer. So yeah, bring it, back was really, it was really a little good. taste of Georgia's history there. it, it is. It's, it's, that was
2: that was some good beer. Actually, fortunately, before they, they closed down um, and stopped stopped brewing in the, around '98, I, I got to actually try the beer. So it was okay. it was cool. But yeah, I mean, in, in Atlanta proper, you had, uh, you had Martha'sville. Ville. Um, we had the Atlanta Brewing Company, which we now uh, know doing business as Red Brick Brewing. Uh, we had uh, Dogwood. Um, Sweetwater popped in there about, like, in 97. Um, over close to Athens, you had Blind Man Ales. Um, that's one of them that sort of, I think, sort of falls between the cracks. People don't talk much about it, but you had two home brewer and uh, brewing guys, uh, hobbling equipment together and making
1: uh, making beer. Had these cool uh, taps, handles of little right. cows. Which was a lot of the ways you did it. Like you said, there wasn't a lot of specialized companies making brewing equipment right, at that yeah, time. Correct? Yeah. So you had to get the dairy tanks and yeah. repurpose them. Yeah, absolutely.
3: And well, I was just going to interject, one of the things that we were talking about because we were chatting on the way over is that now we know a lot of the breweries that start up, they buy smaller equipment from other breweries that are upscaling. So there's another source. You don't even have to buy your tanks now. Right. People will sort of, there's a market in other words where you can go out and get smaller equipment to get going while somebody else is scaling up. These guys didn't have any options like that. Sure. So they were
1: well, that's I went to some of those you know? breweries that's, you know, the, the uh, ingenuity of these guys to take Something meant for a totally different purpose, and to, and to make it make beer. If there's if there's a will, there's a way. You know, yeah, they're going to find absolutely. out a way to make it happen. So, absolutely, yeah. I mean, out of
2: all of that, out of all the you know the the early startups, and they, and they had lots and lots of challenges because, they, as Mary said, the infrastructure wasn't there. Um, I think a lot of times the distributors really didn't know how to handle them because you know what is this small brewery sure. thing, you know. Um, so between all of that, I mean, you had, um, you know, Red Brick made it through uh, the
1: early startup in Atlanta, uh, and they're uh, actually the current, current oldest currently operating brewery yes. in the state, being started in 1993. Yes, absolutely, which is, is pretty cool for it to to be here in the city. You know, it's, it's neat. They're not the original
2: building that uh, where they were at, but nonetheless, you know, the company has survived through Sweetwater. Um, also isn't in their current biz, uh, building, but you know they survived through the, the push as well, um, and uh, they're, they're
1: huge. Sweetwater had to move so they could take over the block there, so <laughs> they, had to, they had to move out. So. Um, and you mentioned Dogwood, so although some of these breweries have come and gone, a lot of the owners are still around, we right. mentioned Hellenbach, uh, Dow Scoggins yep. actually runs the U.S. Beer Open Championship. Yep. and he was one of the original owners so he's still involved with that crawford moran that owned dogwood brewing now uh is co-owner of uh, five seasons west side brew yep. pub down there yeah he had slice and pine, he had five seasons north but now his sole uh sole operation is five seasons uh their west side yeah absolutely that's actually one of my favorite places to go green is uh, five seasons Food's Lo- good there, too. Food, food is good food, there, food, too. Food beer.
2: Absolutely. Locally
3: sourced food, organic, yes. pastured chicken, all the things that make me happy.
2: That's good stuff. <laughs> and, beer. And, beer. and beer. And beer. And beer, right. And yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, Crawford wrote the
1: forward to the, uh, to the Atlanta beer book that we did. Um,
2: you, you know, and- a lot of these
1: pictures in here, these guys look young. <laughs> they do. From back in the day, <laughs> talking to some of these brewers, that's uh, you know, when you look at this, like, uh, you know, uh, red Brick being 25 uh, max lagers turned 20 yeah you know this year so yeah. you look at these guys they've been doing this 20 years i guess people do age a little bit in in 20 plus years huh? i know i
2: think crawford barely had any gray hair in that picture See? That right him. exactly <laughs> me as well so yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> so when we we move from there kind of that was kind of early craft we have a couple that have survived or kind of reborn into modern craft but uh uh, looking at this, there was really only a few breweries that opened over the next several years. Like you mentioned, Sweetwater opened around 1997. Sweetwater is now the 15th largest craft brewery in the United States. Amazing. So, you know, they've really grown up 20 years there. You know, just celebrated their 21st, you know, anniversary. So we have, uh, as I mentioned, Max Lager's just celebrated 20 years. Uh, you know, our oldest places are 20, 25, 21 years old. So uh, really... We've only seen a big push here in the last five, I don't even want to say 10 years. Really, the last five or six years has been where we've seen the big boom here, correct? Correct, yeah. I mean, and it's, it's
2: just been an explosion. I, I can't even keep up with the numbers. Every time I, like, you know, go, oh, yeah, wait a minute, I haven't visited that brewery. Let me make a list of the breweries I haven't visited yet.
1: Better write that in pencil because
2: you'll have to yeah, keep exactly. up with it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, every time I turn around, there's a new brewery opened up, which I think is fantastic. I think Atlanta can, you know, Atlanta, the greater Atlanta area is a huge place. I think we can totally support. Um,
3: can I interject something about that? One of one of my hypotheses as we were writing the book and we were talking about um, prowler shops is that, you know, we can see some come and go, same with the breweries. They, uh, what I thought would happen, and I'm kind of seeing it with some of the small breweries now, is that they're tapping their community. Sure. It's really interesting, like some of them I think will always stay small, and I don't have any issue with that, because if what they're aspiring to do is brew beer that they love in a place that they built with their hands, you know, they're really, we can see places that have this steady community that supports them, and I think that's cool, that goes back to the old days where you take your growler, your pail down to the, Right. Down to the guy on the corner and fill up your pail with beer and bring it home. The original
1: bucket of beer, right? Exactly. Yes. The original growler. And that's something you you mentioned that, you know, supporting local. uh, We see that a lot as you look at these last 25 years of brewing. And if you look nationwide, we're really looking uh, early to late 80s, so maybe 30 years for the craft beer movement in the United States. So craft beer people that were into American beer were into sierra nevada sam adams you know uh, stone new belgium these breweries that came out as that has grown people became local and local meant in their state or in their region but it's going to the place where local now to a lot of people means who's walking distance of my house i think that's true I mean, that's and that's not a bad
3: thing right? it's I mean, not I a bad it's... thing
1: and a lot more breweries are going to cater to that uh, georgia's laws just changed last year they've changed a couple times over the last couple years but allowing direct sales from breweries, where people could go into a brewery and buy a beer and drink it there or buy some to go. So one thing that's added to the modern craft movement here is breweries are opening what they refer to as own premise, uh, you know, sales, where they don't have any intention to distribute out into the market. They want you to come there and drink the beer there and enjoy it within there, and that's going to be their focus. And one of the good things about that for the brewer is that... A brewer that sells beer at their brewery makes six to seven times as much off of that beer than if they sold it for a distributor. So they're able to keep more of their money, and if they choose to expand, to expand more from there. So, it's pretty much like an author selling your own books. Right, exactly. Yeah, That's yeah. why you get yeah, to keep more of your own money there, absolutely. There. Yeah. Just some stats we were talking about, uh, kind of the numbers here. Some stats I pulled up before uh, our conversation less than 10 years ago there were only 13 breweries and brew pubs in georgia and that's less than 10 years ago in 2011 there was a boom that we say we had five new breweries open so you know we're up to 18 as of 2011. Uh, by 2013 just five years ago there were 33 breweries and brew pubs across georgia now this last five years has just been a massive boom that we've seen in the state and uh, as of today we have nearly 80 breweries and brew pubs across the state and with a list of new breweries brew pubs looking to open uh, we could by the end of this year or very early next year be over 100 uh, breweries within the state of georgia from five oh, totally. years ago yeah, being yeah. at 33. And
3: so. like, like we said before we started we knew that the book was obsolete you know, we were trying when to you update wrote it, statistics right? in our tables and we knew it's like well at some point you'd have to send the manuscript off, yeah. but knowing that by tomorrow it's out-of-date because things are moving so
1: fast. All the pre-prohibition info is still up-to-date, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. So no changes yeah. to that. yeah. So, that's yeah. correct. Oh, yeah. History, hopefully, doesn't change. <laughs> so uh, I think that wraps up most of the questions. You know, we've covered uh, kind of the First Brewery in Georgia, the pre-prohibition, early post-prohibition. But the, the bottom line here is craft beer is booming in Georgia. We're seeing more and more uh, local options, and local is becoming hyper-local where you walk to your neighborhood brewery rather than getting something that was just brewed in the state or in your region. You know, And uh, the styles that are becoming available uh, continues to grow. Uh, we, we had an earlier panel discussion with Roswell's uh, four breweries, and uh, each of them brews very unique styles. So if you want a certain style of beer, just within Roswell alone, you can get just about any style that you want. So uh, it doesn't look right now that there's any stopping. Uh, there's There's been predictions that we're looking for a bubble burst, but I think we're just going to see a shift in the dynamic of how these breweries build out. So we're going to see more of the hyper-local. I go to my neighborhood brewery and enjoy it, but uh, I guess the the bottom line is Atlanta's and George's beer history is uh, continuing to be written right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. So, somebody, someday somebody's going to be, you know, uh,
2: collecting those odd aluminum cans with the plastic bands around them and go, man, wasn't that weird?
1: You remember back when these were made? Yeah. You
2: know, I remember <laughs> when they did those,
1: absolutely. Ron, Mary, thank you so much for joining us, sharing your information. You yeah, uh, thanks for thank having you us. for writing the books. They've been a huge help to me. Really appreciate it. And uh, cheers, everybody that's uh, joined us. I'm Tim Dennis with Beer Guys Radio. This is Becky Klein here, Ron Smith, Mary O'Boyle, authors of Atlanta Beer, uh, Heady History of Brewing in the Hub of the South. You can get this on their website, Amazon. Buy from their website, though, because they get to keep more of their money. And we have a couple of So that's it. And uh, thank you so much, everyone. We appreciate you joining us today. Cheers.
3: Cheers.
1: Thanks once again for tuning in to this Beer Guys Radio Extra. For more information, interviews, and insights into the craft beer world, visit BeerGuysRadio.com or subscribe to the Beer Guys Radio podcast on your favorite podcasting platform.
0: Duke's Mail. Do you get it? Because only the ones that get it really get it. Your friends get it. Your mom gets it. Your grandma gets it. Your neighbors get it. Sometimes a dog gets it. Get out of there. What else? Uh, Your potato salads get it. BLTs get it. Tailgates get it, and restaurants get it too. By now, even you probably get it. So get it today. Made without any sugar since 1917, Dukes is that little southern something that makes good things better. Get Dukes. It's got twang.